Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey parents, just a heads up before we get started, this episode starts with the retelling of a modern myth. Some might find it a little scary, so if you want to skip it, just jump ahead about two minutes. Okay, on with the show. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Many, many years ago in a Puerto Rican city called Canovanas, strange things started to happen in the night. <laughs> Farmers were the first ones to notice. Oh no, Bessie, my beautiful cow! Gilbert the goat never harmed a soul! My sweet sheep! Animals across the city were being killed in a very unusual way. My sheep had a bunch of holes in their chest. What the hay? And it looked like all their blood had been completely sucked out. What kind of creature could have done this? <laughs> more and more animals were killed. People were getting scared. My animals are my livelihood. I can't afford to lose anymore. And if animals are dying, who's to say we are next? And then a strange creature was spotted in the night. I saw it with my own eyes swooping down from the sky. A scaly reptile thing with quills like a porcupine's running down its spine. It hopped through my yard like a kangaroo. It had big red eyes that glowed in the dark. Soon, this mysterious bloodthirsty creature was given a name. El Chupacabras! Since then, there have been sightings around the world. Is Chupacabras still on the prowl today? I'm Molly Bloom, and this is Brains On from American Public Media. And my co-host today is Elliot from Bemidji, Minnesota. Hi, Elliot. Hi. Today we're kicking off a series about modern myths and legends. Myths are fantastical ideas or stories that are popular, but not necessarily true. And our listeners have a lot of questions about them. Are mermaids and unicorns real? With this being the record year of Loch Ness Monster sightings, I would love to hear about its history and possibly learn the Loch Ness Monster is actually real. How do people make up these cool creatures? Why do we believe in unicorns or other mythical creatures? Is there extraterrestrial life underwater? And do mermaids exist? Why are mermaids, unicorns, and things like that not real? Thanks to Avi from Newport Beach, California, Harper from Anchorage, Alaska, Adeline from Wichita, Kansas, Callie from Toronto, Canada, and Molly from Hopatcong, New Jersey for those questions. We're going to spend the next four episodes talking about these wild stories. And why human beings love them so much. We'll go to the jungle and deep undersea. To talk about amazing creatures, some that ended up being real and others that were proven fake. 
We'll also search for lost lands and life beyond our solar system. From the depths of time up through today, myths and legends wind their way into culture and into lore. But is there truth? Well, let's explore. Scanning the clues of history for creatures on land and in the sea. Lost worlds hidden under your toes. Hey, over there, is that a UFO? Armed with knowledge and with proof, help us to uncover what is real and what's a spoof. Myths and legends we'll discover. In this episode, we're focusing on mythical creatures that live on land. Like El Chupacabras. <laughs> the myth of El Chupacabras is a pretty recent one, and there are still sightings happening today. But there are so many creatures of myth, new and old, that we want to talk about now. Elliot, do you have a favorite mythical creature? I would have to go for the centaur. So can you describe what a centaur is? A centaur is a half horse, half man. The bottom part is a bottom of a horse. So it's sort of like the top half of a person and then the legs are replaced with like horse torso and legs? Yeah. So why do you think we like myths so much? I think the exciting that it could actually be real. Are there any myths you think could have some truth to them like centaurs or El Chupacabras or Bigfoot? I haven't seen any Bigfoot. You haven't seen Bigfoot yet, so you want you want proof in order to believe it. Yeah. It could actually be a bear. Very true. Well, we've got an expert here to help us dive into the backstories of these mythical creatures. Sarah Burdorf teaches a class all about myths and folklore at UCLA. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Elliot. Hi, Molly. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for being here. How did people make up mythical creatures? Wow, that's a really good question. There are lots of different ways that we get the stories that we have about mythical creatures. One of them is that there are certain things in the world that everyone experiences. Maybe being scared of the dark or looking out at the woods when you're camping and wondering what might be out there. Those are also really good things to inspire stories that help us try and shape our understanding of the world around us and the parts that seem extra mysterious or maybe a little bit scary. Why are some mythical creatures more popular than others? Ooh, well, one of the things that makes stories persistent, and that's a word that just means it keeps going for a long time and lots of people keep retelling it, is that they mean something to the people who are telling them. So, for example, if you live in a place that's near the ocean, you might have more stories about creatures that live in the ocean. And so if a story matches up with something that a culture is already wondering about, like the sea, then that story is more likely to persist. But what about dragons? People don't live in the sky. That is a really, really good point. People do not live in the sky. You're right. But there is a theory that if you think about what a dragon looks like and all of the things that make up a dragon. 
Yeah, scaly. They're scaly. That's right. What else is scaly? Um, like a snake? Lizards? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. That's right. Yeah. They're like copycatting dinosaurs. Well, that's a good point. And there's actually a scholar called Adrian Mayer who has written a lot about how she thinks a lot of the creatures that we have stories about, including dragons, might have come about originally because people a long time ago were plowing their fields or digging foundations for their houses or places to store things, and they would find a dinosaur skull. Imagine how you would explain a dinosaur skull if you didn't know what a dinosaur was. So we used stories to do the best that we could to try and make sense of the world around us. Thanks for being here today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me, Elliot and Molly. There are a lot of mythical creatures we've closed the case on. Like flying unicorns or fire-breathing dragons. They're super fun to imagine, but there's no real evidence of them. But some communities think the jury is still out on certain mythical beasts. Bigfoot has been seen all over the United States in every single state but Hawaii. And I guess that's because Bigfoot can't swim that far. That's Laura Krantz. She hosts a podcast called Wild Thing. It's about Bigfoot and the people who think it's real. Many of our listeners are curious about this creature, like Cormac from Colorado. Is Bigfoot real? And if he is, is he a monster? Bigfoot is also often called Sasquatch, which is a word borrowed from the Coast Salish tribes. There's a lot of different descriptions about Bigfoot, um, but most seem to say that Bigfoot's about anywhere between six and eight feet tall, weighing like 500 to 900 pounds, maybe even more, covered in hair, except for maybe part of the face doesn't have hair on it, big hands, big feet, obviously. People say this big, hairy creature walks upright like a human. No one has ever proven Bigfoot is here, but true believers say that there's plenty of evidence. A lot of people think Bigfoot exists because they found things out in the woods that are really unusual, like big, giant footprints. Some people think they've found Bigfoot poop, which is kind of gross. Other people say they've found Bigfoot hair. There are people who hear noises, like they hear these sort of howls or these weird uh, yells out in the forest that don't sound like any other animal they know. And then, of course, you have people who think they've seen Bigfoot. One of the most famous of these happened about 50 years ago. There were two cowboys out riding around in the forests of California, and they saw this giant, hairy creature walking on two legs away from them across this forest clearing. Whoa, Nelly! What in Jiminy Cricket's ghost name is that? One of them had a video camera, and he shot video of it. Are you getting this? I'm recording. By golly, it's looking right at us. Its feet, they're so, so big! And you just see this huge thing walking away from them, and it looks back over its shoulder at these two cowboys, and then it continues on into the forest and disappears. 
this is seen as one of the best pieces of evidence for Bigfoot's existence, but the problem is, is we haven't really had another sighting like that for 50 years. And so there's questions about whether this was a hoax, if it was totally made up, or if it's the real thing. The scientific community is not convinced. They want hard evidence. Like DNA. If you're a scientist and you want to prove that there's a new species out there, that there's a new animal or plant or creature that nobody knows for sure exists, you have to have what they call a specimen. And a specimen would be like you'd dig up a plant and you'd bring it in, or you'd bring in like a dead bird. You could use a specimen to analyze DNA. And find out if this is a totally new animal. Like Bigfoot. So far, no one has found any Bigfoot DNA. But there are definitely people still on the lookout. I think a lot of people want to believe in Bigfoot because they like the idea that the world is still undiscovered, that you can go out to the woods and find something that no one has proven exists. And, you know, how cool would it be to be out camping with your family and you maybe walk off to get some firewood and you see Bigfoot? I mean, how exciting would that be? It kind of gives you a little bit of a thrill. It's good to be skeptical when someone makes a big claim, like catching Bigfoot on camera. Because sometimes people are trying to fool you. That type of trick is called a hoax. Did someone say hoax? I heard it too. Hey Mark, hey Sandin. I said hoax. Why? See? Hoaxes are totally trending. Hoaxes are hot, dude. It's the perfect time to debut our new YouTube channel. Hoax Hunters! We like myths, but we hate getting tricked, yeah! We like myths, but we hate getting tricked, yeah! Right. We like myths, but we hate getting tricked. We hate getting tricked, no, we don't like it. A hoax is when someone makes something up, then tricks people into believing it. Yeah, we wanted to avoid that, so we figured... If we don't want to get tricked in the future, maybe we should learn how people got tricked in the past. Today, we're bringing you a hoax from the early days of film photography. In 1917, Elsie Wright and Francis Griffiths borrowed Elsie's dad's camera to take some photos. And somehow, they managed to pose with fairies. Seems a little suspicious. Yeah, definitely. The photos blew up a few years later when they appeared in a magazine called Strand. And along with the photos, Arthur Conan Doyle wrote an article about how fairies could be real. Doyle was pretty famous. Before this, he wrote Sherlock Holmes. His articles on fairies caused quite a stir. Elsie and Francis stood by the photos for decades. The hoax lived on. It wasn't until nearly 70 years later that Francis admitted that the photos were a practical joke. Turns out, The fairies were just drawings. Francis and Elsie had used big hat pins to stand the drawings up for the photos. At the time, people had a hard time understanding how the girls could have faked the photos. And lots of people wanted to believe that fairies were real. Okay, two takeaways from this hoax. Number one, not all photos are real. Number two, even if your favorite celebrity believes something, that doesn't mean it's true. Because we love myths, 
and we hate getting tricked. Well, here's something tricky for you, Elliot. Are you ready for the mystery sound? All right. Okay, here is today's mystery sound. What is your guess? It could be an elephant or maybe a car. Both very good guesses. We're going to be back with another chance to hear and guess a little bit later in the show. We'll also answer this question later during our moment of um. My name is Levi from Knoxville, Tennessee. My question is, if sloths sleep upside down, why don't their hands let go when they are sleeping? Do you have a big question for Brains On? Or a mysterious sound you think will stump our listeners? Maybe you made an awesome drawing of Bigfoot or El Chupacabras. We love hearing from you. Head to brainson.org slash contact. We're all ears for your questions and mystery sounds, and we love to put up artwork on the fridge. Send them to us at brainson.org slash contact. Today's episode is sponsored by Sitka Seafood Market. Seafood is a great source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, which can support heart health. Salmon is one of my favorite foods, and so it's so delightful when a box of amazing quality, beautiful salmon arrives at my door. Sitka Seafood Market sources from small boat fishermen and community-based processors that take great care to provide the highest quality seafood that is wild-caught, sustainably, and ethically harvested. And one of the best parts is Sitka Seafood Market offers a variety of flexible subscriptions that can come monthly or every other month. It's super convenient, so if you're going on vacation, you can pause or you can cancel any time. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Go to SitkaSeafoodMarket.com and use code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com, promo code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Elliot. And I'm Molly. Today, we're talking about mythical creatures that... A gunk door just came into the studio and passed us a note? It says, please share microphone. Somebody has urgent announcement. Who's making an announcement, Gungi? Somebody equals Gungador! It me! Music, please! 
Listen up, people. Very important. Gongador, not Bigfoot. Last weekend, Gongador went hiking. Very relaxing. Until people take photos and post all over internet. They called Gongador Bigfoot. No, Gongador's feet perfectly proportional to body. Then Gongador hit up the mall, looking for ordinary size sneakers, size 16 and a half, and it happened again. Internet say terrifying Sasquatch creatures spotted at local mall in shoes too tight for its massive feet. Not true. Gungador, not Bigfoot. Gungador, totally normal foot. Please stop calling Gungador names. Also, Gungador still needs sneakers. Please send email if anybody having shoe sale. Thank you. Goodbye. Wow. Thanks for that announcement, Gungador. Yeah, good info. Also, I just sent you an email about a sneaker sale. Thanks! See ya! Just goes to show you, even the wildest myths usually have roots in reality. Like maybe somebody saw an animal that was new to them. Then they started telling other people about it, and the stories got more and more fantastic until they became myths. All it took was some imagination. Yeah, or a good costume department. Wait, what? Yeah, you know, you can also make a mythical creature with a good costume, or even a makeup team, or maybe a green screen. Okay, I'm confused. I learned all about it, watching the behind-the-scenes extras for the new movie, Unicorns, Horns of Justice! Oh yeah, that Mythflix original feature. I heard it's good. It is. Check out this clip from when they were trying to cast the unicorn to see what I mean. Okay, people, we've got to find the perfect animal to play our star. Eunice Cornwallis, a.k.a. Agent Unicorn. Ooh, look, that name is pulling so well with millennial women who occasionally wear cardigans. Our key demographic. Dion Dennis, focus. Obviously, unicorns don't exist, so we're going to need to find an animal the people once thought was a unicorn. Here's a tape of our first candidate. Hi, I'm Rhino Zellweger. I'm a rhinoceros, obviously. You know, many historians think early reports of unicorns were actually based on rhinos. Yeah, in fact, Pliny the Elder, this famous Roman author from, like, the first century, he wrote about unicorns saying they had a horn and feet like elephants and a boar's tail, which, I'm just saying, sounds a lot like a rhino. So anyway, I think I'd be great for this part because... So what do you think? Dennis, go. Well, I loved Rhino Zellweger in Bridget Jones's Prairie, but I was picturing a different horn, you know, like a spiral one. The makeup people can make it look spirally. Okay. Well, if spirals are what you want, this Hornwell's got that. Check out Narwhali Portman. Hey, first of all, I'm honored to be up for this part. When I read the script, I was like, yes, you go, girl. This hero is truly my kind of character. Strong, wise, has a long spiral horn. Well, narwhal horns like mine are actually a tooth, but it can play a horn for sure. By the way, I do all my own stunts, so... Thoughts? 
Narwali is always trending. Look! This report says she's the number one celebrity among moody teenage babysitters, plumbers from Baltimore, and weird neighbors with hamsters. But she's not that popular with second cousins or waitresses named Barbara, so... Ugh, do I have to point this out? She's a whale! She doesn't have legs! Unicorns have legs. Oh, please, Dennis. We can add legs in post. Besides, in medieval Europe, people bought and sold narwhal horns because they thought they were unicorn horns. Her horn, tooth, whatever, that spiral thing coming out of her head fooled ancient people. It can fool modern people, too. I don't know. Fine. One more to consider. Hi, I'm Billy Goat Eilish. Mostly a singer, but I'm trying to branch out, you know? I do have one horn, though. I had two, but one got knocked off when I staged over at Cockroachella. So yeah, that makes me a unicorn, I guess. Oh my gosh, I love Billy Goat Eilish. Apparently, so does everyone. She's even popular with toaster ovens that burn bagels, but not English muffins. They never like anyone. Ooh, also, goats pretending to be unicorns is a thing. In the early 1980s, the Ringling Brothers Circus actually featured a one-horned goat they called a unicorn. So there's a precedent here. Then it's settled. We found our agent unicorn. This billy goat is going to be bigger than Angelina Jolimer. Well, how about we hear our mystery sound one more time? You ready? Yep, I am. Okay, here it is. So, what do you think? Last time you thought elephant or some kind of animal. Are you still thinking something like that? Not Bigfoot, not not Loch Ness Monster. I have to say, if we had a recording of Bigfoot, this podcast would be very different today. (laughs) (laughs) I think people would be very interested in what we had to say. All right, are you ready to find out what that mystery sound is? Yep. All right, here is the answer. The sound you just heard was a gorilla. Gorilla? Uh Uh-huh. And in the 19th century, people described the sound a gorilla made as a thunderous roar or a hideous roar. And that's quite a bit different from the sound you've just heard. John Miller studies what people in Europe wrote about animals and the environment in the mid to late 1800s. People in Africa knew gorillas were real at the time, but Europeans had never seen one in person and there were no photographs, so they thought the gorilla could be made up. No one had seen a gorilla uh, in, in Europe until 1861. 1861 was a big year for gorillas. That was the year a guy named Paul Ducheyou came back to Europe with stories from Africa about gorillas. In his book, Ducheyou described the gorilla as a beast with fiery eyes, big fangs, and a thunderous roar. So he told all these stories, published this book, and people were like, wow, this is amazing. Um, we never thought anything could be you know, so sensational. And there's loads of really kind of fantastic pictures of, of, of the gorilla as this big, like, yeti-like creature. Europeans knew about other primates, but they had never heard of an animal quite like this. Some people say this is going to change the way we think about everything, the way we think about animals and humans. Uh, And some people say he's making it up. The other reason they weren't sure gorillas were real is that some people had a hard time believing Du Sheyu. His stories were pretty dramatic, and he wasn't the typical European scientist. He was more of an explorer. Scholars also think he was mixed race, which meant that many Europeans didn't trust him because of their own racism. So these people weren't sure what to believe about this animal that he was describing. There was one detail in these gorilla stories that seemed totally outlandish at the time. The gorilla beating its chest, which now is an iconic part 
of how we think of gorillas. And people were like, no, he's just making this up. So some of the things that seemed most preposterous actually have now entered science. Now we know that gorillas are real and they do sometimes beat their chests, but they're also nowhere near as aggressive as Duche you made them out to be. Nature can be surprising in lots of different ways. From unicorns to El Chupacabras, we humans love sharing stories about mythical creatures. They help us make sense of things we have no explanation for, like when people found dinosaur bones in ancient times. Some of these creatures are so captivating that some people keep searching for them, like Bigfoot. After all, some people thought gorillas weren't real. They didn't believe it until they saw one for themselves. But remember, it's always good to be skeptical. Not all photos are real. That's it for Brains On today. Stay tuned for the rest of our Mythtastic series. Yes, you'll hear episodes about lost worlds, mythical creatures of the sea, and aliens. Brains On is produced by Manica Wilhelm, Sandra Totten, Mark Sanchez, and Molly Bloom. Elissa Dudley, Ruby Guthrie, Rosie DuPont, and Tracy Mumford made this mythical series a reality. We had engineering help from Veronica Rodriguez, John Inger, Valentino Rivera, and Eric Romani. We also had production help from Christina Lopez. Special thanks to John Miller, Austin Cross, Rosie DuPont, Hans Buteau, Max Nesterak, Sam Chu, Kathleen Bradbury, Will Lager, Hannah Yang, Eric Ringham, Taka Zen, Lori Galaretta, Taylor Kaufman, Millie Langford, and Micah Kielbaum. Before we sign off, it's time for a moment of um. If sloths sleep upside down, why don't their hands let go when they are sleeping? Well, that is a brilliant and very thoughtful question. So thank you for asking me that. My name is Lucy Cook and I'm a zoologist and founder of the Sloth Appreciation Society. First of all, um, sloths have what's known as high fatigue resistance. So their muscles, you know, they're not, they're not made for sprinting, they're made for endurance. They can hold one pose for a very long time without getting cramped. And secondly, they've got these long curved um, claws, which basically kind of hook on and they just hang like a happy hairy hammock. They just they just sort of clamp onto the trees and the only muscles that are having to work are the ones that are, are holding those, those claws shut. So it actually doesn't involve a lot of muscular work for them to remain in that position for hours and hours on end, which they frequently do. Um, um, I am going to show great endurance as I read through this list of names. It's the Brains Honor Roll. These are the amazing listeners who keep us going with their ideas, mystery sounds, questions, and drawings. Vivian from Raleigh, North Carolina, Sophie and Peter from Mountain View, California, Lucas from Issaquah, Washington, Lena from Boise, Idaho, Hunter from Rockville, Maryland, James and Luke from Marietta, Georgia, Haley from Mansfield, Ohio, Arthur from New Orleans, Audrey from Chadsford, Pennsylvania, Clive from Vancouver, Washington, Francisco, CJ, Mariam and Michael from Midland, Texas, Otis from Kalamazoo, Michigan, Ariel from Louisville, Kentucky, Noah, Bella and Everett from Omaha, April from Woodburn, Australia, Brayden and Crystal from Gosford, Australia, Amelia and Marshall from Green, Ohio, Dylan from Oxford, England, 
Penny from St. Clair, Michigan, Colin from Hamilton, Ontario, Elsa from Melbourne, Australia, Dylan and Parker from Shakopee, Minnesota, Sam from Mount Vernon, Washington, Addie and Isaiah from Royal Palm Beach, Florida, Gabe from Chicago, Bryn from Duluth, Minnesota, Noah from Redwood City, California, Lois from Hebron, Maryland, Annika from Winnipeg, Josephine and Abram from West Hills, California, Kaya from Guelph, Ontario, Maya and James from Burbank, California, Grant from McKinney, Texas, Leonidas from Richmond, Virginia, Susanna and Preston from Aetna, California, Brandon from Woodbridge, Georgia, Brian from Anaheim, California, Rhea and Raylan from Smyrna, Tennessee, William from Spartansburg, South Carolina, Joanna and Jessica from Kirksville, Missouri, Roxy from Minneapolis, Lily from Richmond, Virginia, Dahlia from Moscow, Lucas from Dallas, Samuel from Tasmania, Ezra from Boulder City, Nevada, Felix from Hopkins, Minnesota, Abigail from Tempe, Arizona, Emma from Sherwood, Oregon, Mila from Oakland, California, Lily from Liberty, Missouri, Isaiah and Noah from Toronto, Fallon from Jupiter, Florida, JD from Indian Land, South Carolina, Caleb from La Crescenta, California, and Quinn from Surrey, British Columbia. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.